0: back so i could see our very cool guest have joined us already so just go over to her say a little bit of a hi and find out how she's doing tonight um catalego thank you for being here how are you doing
1: thank you for having me cd i'm doing good hi esther
2: hi catalego so excited to have you here i've been counting down to today so great to have you <laughs> Thank
0: you so much. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um listen, Esther, I have to I have to say something, yeah. right, before we even jump into the conversation. So this um amazing leader has been a mentor and a friend of mine for a while, almost my boss. I feel like wow. um I feel like <laughs> you should be interviewing me now. So it's it's definitely okay. a pleasure wow. to have her um join us tonight for this conversation. So Catalago, let me just give you some a little bit of a ground rule so what we try to do on the Petroom Africa is just to skip all of the beautiful conversation that you normally have the conversation around tell us a little bit about your journey tell us about your story you are an amazing person and all of that um, if you are on the Petroom Africa is because you are pretty awesome and I think you already know that um, so we just jump right into the conversation and you know unravel everything from what is happening in the ecosystem what is Botswana looking like what your ideas are and we want you to just be open up with us right and let's have fun tonight how do you think about that rule
1: I love that idea I love uh, skipping the the small talk and getting right down to business so I'm game
0: good and for those of you who are joining us live again thank you for being here Um, If you would like to join the conversation, please feel free to do so. All you have to do is to raise your hand and we will bring you up on stage. The reason why these entrepreneurs are here, why the amazing people like Kata will join us, is so we can have conversation that challenges our thoughts and the way we think about things and our processes around our ways of thinking and our view of entrepreneurship in the continent. But if you decide that you do not want to, um, you know, ask a question by raising your hand and being brought up on stage, you can also send us a message and we're happy to read it out. There it is. So, in the Global Innovation Index 2022, Botswana took the biggest leap forward, reaching 86th position. Overtaking Kenya at 88 at the global um, scale, making Botswana one of the most innovative countries across the continent. But before that, in 2021, the country was ranked at 106 out of 132 countries globally as far as global innovation um, goes what are some of the fundamental changes that have actually seen the countries catapult to this global reckoning in the space of um a year or two what do you think are some of the fundamental things that change um that dynamics very quickly
1: yeah um i think um one of the things that uh as a country that has been, for the longest time, uh, been heavily dependent on natural resources as a source of GDP. We've always spoken about diversifying our GDP and us, um, but for a long time we were not really getting the gist of it. And I think um, COVID did well for us because it really became a big innovation trigger in terms of us pushing the things that we had been talking about for a long time um literally making sure that those things are starting to happen so we can see with us who are in the ecosystem that um the general temperament and the demeanor of all stakeholders from government to uh just households has changed quite a lot so i think those are one of the things that have uh boosted us in a year or two because uh we, we started changing our mindset in how we're doing business we started thinking about how best can we um how best can we streamline the 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 the, the services that we have you know um i, I don't know if you're aware of uh, Botswana has this very uh, world class facility called the Botswana digital and innovation hub it's been around for a while but we had not been fully leveraging what we could do out of the hub. And I think over the past year, we started to see even the way the the hub is engaging with other stakeholders. It has really changed. And the the intention is for us to be able to really harness the facilities that we have to get the best out of our innovators and just really push the envelope on innovation. And and one of the things that we've also been able to do um, in the past, I believe four or five years also is to get our fiber network moving, you know. big part of innovation is us being able to have access to stable internet and we've made a lot of effort to get the cable moving across the the, the nation so we we are now starting to see that a lot of uh, citizens are connected to internet there's an improvement Uh, we're not yet at the level we want you know I think as a country we want excellence we want the best but uh, we are seeing an improvement Um, recently even in terms of just pushing digitization we are seeing the government of Botswana starting to distribute computers in public schools and the idea is to get the kids in the rural schools to be able to be connected into the global world so that when we're speaking about 4IR we're speaking about really getting the best out of our people we also are resourcing them and enabling them to be able to respond in that way so i think those are some of the things that have contributed um, just the general Temperament of all stakeholders, not just government, not just private sector, but everyone trying to say, okay, how do we respond? How do we tap in? If there are digital services, let's no longer go queue inside the bank. Let's use the uh, mobile money. Let's use the ATMs more, and so on and so forth. So I think there's quite a change overall in the in the in the general, um, in the overall country. Mm.
0: So so let us let's, let's keep talking about the good the good stuff. So. In 1966, when the, the when Botswana gained its independence, six um, there were about six secondary schools in Botswana, attended by maybe three percent of children. Um, by 2014, almost 90 percent of all children attended school. As a matter of fact, Botswana is one of the very few countries in Africa that actually provide education for a vast majority of its population up to. Um, PhD levels, right, and uh, about you—you you still have an impressive eighty-five um, plus percent in terms of um, literacy rate, adult literacy, putting the country as one of the most educative, um, you know, educated countries in the continent. But um, we have seen a rather. Uh, deep unemployment um, rate over the last um, few years. Um, as a matter of fact, in double digit, and if a country that is about um, 2 million uh, people, an employment rate that is that goes up to 20% or more could be disastrous. What is the fundamental element that is responsible for such a huge gap?
1: Uh-huh um you know we just to give you a bit of context we are coming from a place where in 1966 when we got our uh independence uh from our from the british colony from the british uh government we 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 had only 22 university graduates you know we had an about 100 secondary school uh, graduates, so we were largely an uneducated and one of the poorest countries um, in Africa and the government of Botswana then made education a huge priority because the idea was um, let's upskill our people so that so that they're able to work within government, right, uh, become civil servants. And that was the focus for the longest time. So the focus has always been education from 1966, ensuring that we can get people that can work in government and also work in the mining sector, which we discovered shortly after independence. So we got a bit lucky because the diamonds were actually discovered after independence. I think had they been discovered before, we wouldn't have gotten our independence early. In. But uh, naturally, as an independent country at that time, and we don't have uh, a skilled labor force to be able to take up those uh roles we had to invest in education so that our people are able to work but now that carried on for a bit too long while we did not put the same effort in entrepreneurship uh, and, and as opposed to ed- um, innovation so that is what is really causing the gap because what we've been able to do is to churn out a lot of graduates qualified excellent brilliant in so many regards you know I think if you look at Botswana and if you, if you ever get a chance visit Botswana and just hang out with an average Botswana you'll see the amount of, of excellence that is there because the average Botswana has a three degree you know and um, some of them have gone to the best schools in the world um, and they've been able to do that because of funding from the government you know you get someone who's been to Harvard who's been to Stanford and they were funded by government so this is something that we we're able to do between the early 70s up to now you know uh, uh, through retaining our our or or better employing the wealth that we're getting out of our diamonds to ensure that we get the best out of our people but unfortunately what became more the trend was you go to school, you graduate, you look for a job. And for the most part, it would be government uh, jobs or into the mines, you know. But we're not at the same time creating more of our our productive sectors, you know, building in such a way, such a way that we're not heavily dependent on a single source of income. And that is why we've got a huge unemployment rate now, almost um, 50 plus years down the line, is because we did not build the manufacturing industry we did not build into the telcos and so on and so forth such that we are able to say okay if you're not employed by government or a mining company where else can you work so we find that now th- there's an over of graduates that are untapped because there's no way to employ them so that is what's causing the 18 to 20 percent unemployment rate that we're seeing here and um which is where we believe as market players and being an entrepreneurship support organization, we need to come in and make sure that we change that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a good thing that you, you, you brought that up for a very, for a very long time. Um, A lot of people, including myself, um, look at the, the very good things about Botswana. We, we, we are, almost sold on the idea or the dream of education because um for a very large part one of africa's biggest problems i'm um, using the continent as a whole is the lack of expertise the lack of um the required skill set to be able to be productive in our economy um in countries like ours as uh, of course i'm Sierra Leonean, and uh, we saw that the government of Sierra leone um you know they invested a lot in education because they believe that you know building the human capacity of the of the of of, of the people in Sierra Leone will actually lead to economic output but in the Botswana context we've seen that this is the reverse wherein a lot of people are educated a lot of people are subject matter experts but not a lot of jobs have been created to allow for um massive employment so the development of Botswana have not truly translated into the development of the people from an economic standpoint of view uh, um, vis-a-vis having um, job opportunities what was the what was the one factor that changed the government's direction and starts to look move away from diamonds into more structured entrepreneurship?
1: The reason is uh, we looked at it and I say we because I think it's not a government issue alone. You know, These are conversations that we've had as a country as a nation and said what is working for us, what isn't and uh, I think it's always very important for us to include ourselves as part of uh, solving the problems and not make it more a government thing I don't believe in that, I don't believe in Um, it's government that should be the one solving the problems. I think as a nation we looked at it and we said we need to diversify our our economy but what does diversification really look like? Because the truth is you can't make diversification something that is also led by public institutions solely. So public institutions we expect them just to create a, a palatable environment you know, such that we can diversify the economy and we need to now focus on looking making it the responsibility of entrepreneurs and most of our entrepreneurs are smes to be the ones coming up with ways to create new markets to create new new opportunities and and products and services so that in that way we've got new job opportunities and opportunities to grow our economy so those are some of the triggers but the key thing was we can't continue to be a resource-based economy you know diamonds Yes, we like to say diamonds are forever, but you know, the, the, that's just a, a gem, a nice bob. <laughs> the truth is, um, there comes a point where some of these resources may get depleted, you know, and we don't know how soon that will, will be. We've got an abundant uh, resource base, but we, we can't rely on it. And we, we saw during COVID when um, the priority was not luxury goods that um, diamonds were not in demand and we found ourselves in a position where our economy was shrinking. You know, if we look at in the 90s, the early 90s, um, the early 90s, yeah, mid-1995, around there to 1999, the Botswana economy was growing at uh, up to about 9 to 10 percent. You know, that is a big number, but we found ourselves during COVID shrinking. Um, in the negatives, negative three, negative four, and before COVID, we were really averaging about four uh, percent uh, per annum, which is not good at all. Because we found that our reliance on a, on a luxury mineral is really unsustainable. You know, when when push comes to shove, the priority of the of consumers is not to buy. Um, luxury like goods. And I think we now started to say, okay, alongside just being able to manufacture uh, to sort of to produce the 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 the, the the diamonds as raw materials how can we build value chains around it and that is how we started polishing here started uh, also looking i believe into industrial uh, industrial machines that can be built from uh, diamonds as a resource not just the 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 diamonds jewelry type thing i think that's that's the kind of thinking that we've been employing as a nation and we've been pulling together because, as I say, Botswana are very smart, you know, they've got such great ideas and they've been throwing these ideas at government and I think government though it took a bit, a long time they are starting to respond in a positive way and really see that dovetailing between the people and the government to, to, to t- uptake those solutions. So, yes, it was an issue of we can't continue to rely on natural resources, they will be depleted we need to move to being a knowledge-based economy because we already have quite a high literacy rate, we've got very Uh, innovative smart people that are sitting on the ideas and they're getting frustrated because they're just almost feeling crippled and we need to find a way to enable it enable them sorry
0: so 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 here's the thing um and and i'm very very intrigued by the fact that you mentioned specifically that this was not a government issue this was Um, and everybody's issue and this was a conversation that everybody has and this conversation was then translated into action plan that led to that development take us through that process of engagement because here's the thing and the reason why i'm asking that question specifically to add context is that it is not uncommon for africans in 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 it is not uncommon for people within africa in certain part of the world, in certain part of the continent, to talk about the collective engagement and the collective conversation towards nation building, right from an economic standpoint, it is not uncommon. This is why we have a lot. We, we are probably one of the few continent that have many more conferences and side events than any other part in the world, but a lot, a lot less actions is is taken from. From these events, so how was Botswana able to build a conversation that leads to action that makes the fundamental change in the mindset of people, shifting them from thinking employment to thinking job creation? How was you, how were you able to have that at a collective level?
1: All right, um, I think you know. We are built on communities that believe in open discourse. Um uh, Botswana is very heavy on the on the Kotla system or what you guys would call town hall meetings. So and in, in, in a Kotla system, um Kotla is a Sizwana with a CD, you're gonna learn Susana today. <laughs> so but Kotla is kind of like a a a, a customary court. Um, and what usually happens is people are engaged from that level that's what our whole background is built on we've always done quota meetings we call the people the average person is able to share and um in the in the quota system we've always said which means that you know everyone's opinion is is worth listening to and worth considering and because we've just have that culture behind us, and we've grown with that culture. Public discourse is always encouraged, but over time, obviously, our our, our communities are changing. A lot of conversations are being had online. So you know, where people are not happy, there will there will be a lot of pushback that we would see through social media. So yes, for the for the maybe for the boomers and and uh, the what's that Gen X. You will see a lot of engagements uh, in in person, for lack of a better way. And for for us, the millennials and and, and Gen Z that are coming behind, a lot a lot of the pushback and the suggestions. And I say pushback because sometimes uh, it's something that we are trying to correct. You know, to say, okay, government, you you are off on this policy or on this approach. And it has happened a lot through Facebook. Bazon are very active on Facebook and they engage a lot and they suggest a lot and they put out all these paragraphs of great ideas on Facebook and they engage in in that manner. And I think we've been seeing government pay attention to those conversations and also on twitter you know people will, will, will voice their opinions and and uh, put it out there what they believe should be done right and we will begin to see alleviate slowly government respond in the very manner that the people had been suggesting so which is why i believe that um it's not that the government is not listening or not paying attention because eventually you start to see the needle move which is a good thing so that's how we we've for the most part done it and uh, i i do think as i say it's because of our culture of open discourse that helps a lot to to listen to people and to respond to what they want and what they are suggesting is best for them.
0: Do you, do you think population size helps in that conversation? Because I can't imagine Esther, um, country Nigeria of two hundred million people having um, a singular
2: <laughs> conversation
0: Just <laughs> bend my mind, man. <laughs> you have my mind. So, so
1: yeah i think i think the population does help us uh bend or pivot easily you know it's easier to address an open a, 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 a population of uh, 2.3 million and say guys let's 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 move in this direction what do we think about that and get a good picture of what they are thinking you know um i think recently you would have seen um in 2022 and in 2023 the Botswana government brought Forbes Africa here so Forbes 30 under 30 Africa here you know um and this was specifically to give young Botswana access to high value networks to give them exposure and and if you really trace back prior 2022 you will see a lot of young people saying, who are looking for opportunities to network, we are looking for market access, we are looking for, you know, all of these things that can enable us to not stay in this little rut. And a few years later, you'll see the government do something about it. So I think, you know... It's it, it's easier to manage. And it, even in during the, the Forbes event, the government paid for the young people to be part of that. And I think that's a, that was about 200 people, if I've got the numbers right, you know, 200 people being paid for to attend a Forbes event. A Forbes ticket is not very cheap. But because of our numbers, we're able to say, okay, we, we've got 2.3 million people. How can best can we empower them? So in as much as we don't, have that huge, huge, huge of a budget with the little resource we have, we're able to impact as a result.
0: What impact will attending a Forbes event have?
1: I mean, the idea with with, with an event like that is, is more for networking and exposure. Yeah, you need to understand, uh, CD for us, we are dealing with first generation entrepreneurs in Botswana. You will hardly see a third, fourth generation entrepreneur. You're dealing with entrepreneurs that are probably the first in their their family to ever get into business, and we are really trying to traverse the 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 the, the, the markets uh, with with without any. Um, l- Building our acumen as we go, you know, and, and it's not very easy. So any form of exposure and and uh, opportunities to network with people from different ecosystems, with third, fourth generation entrepreneurs that have learned over time how to manage business. You know, business is not always about access to, to finance alone or access to a specific market alone. It's also just about the series of decisions that you make. And that has to do with acumen, that has to do with exposure, that has to do with experience. And I think those kind of exposure in my opinion, they are very important uh, for a first generation entrepreneur and especially young people to have that kind of uh, um, network. So, would you say
2: that, um, Lego, I mean, I have I've had an amazing time listening to you. I mean, first generation entrepreneurship. I mean, having a community of people who are who are the first. To be entrepreneurs in their family it's not it's not common it's not easy and i get that but i just want to ask a question that narrows in on um, the dynamics that you're dealing with now with your company how has your company been able to um, leverage on the opportunities in Botswana especially with the entrepreneurs that you're dealing with how has market players been able to help these people? Become better entrepreneurs. Um, Since the focus is not on only access to funding, but how has your company been able to help these
1: entrepreneurs? All right. Um, just to clarify, Market Players is not a company. It's a it's a public benefit organization. So it's a non profit, um, and we offer we offer entrepreneurship support services to primarily youth entrepreneurs and uh, women because we are trying to harness the demographic dividend in, in 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 Africa our median age is 19 and you know that's 70% of the population that is primarily youth and what we've established is that um, youth is at least 1.6 times more likely to be an entrepreneur over the adults uh counterparts. And because we know that this is where the entrepreneurial culture has a lot of um, prospect, and I, and I think it's most viable, we try to focus a lot on this area and uh, try to inculcate that culture of, of entrepreneurship. So the way that we work, um, we started three years ago. Um, I mean, overall, seven years ago, but uh, we the the way that in this format that we are as market players, it's been three years that we've been doing the work that we're doing. And the way we started is we started with masterclasses on radio. And um, the idea with this masterclasses was to say, okay, how can we uh, give high-level, high-impact masterclasses where we are Talking to the how of doing business because we do realize that entrepreneurs most of the time they know what they want to do, but they don't know how to maneuver um, the, the 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 challenges that come with it. You know, getting the the, the, the business model to be. Uh, at it at most viable or be able to extract as much value out of their concept as possible so we started there with those master classes and we we focused a lot on um, issues of of marketing of leveraging um, trade agreements of leveraging um, the stock exchanges you know because we're also trying to get the entrepreneurs to get out of the mindset of looking for funding from government alone but to say okay with the stock markets how can you leverage that so it was quite a series of, of of master classes we did about 45 episodes on radio and the reason why we we went for radio i mean fm radio was because we want to be inclusive all the time in what we do we want to be sure that when we put out our initiatives they don't only reach people in the urban areas where there is a lot more of internet access. We wanted such that even in areas where someone might not have access to internet, but they should, they will be able to access it on FM, FM radio. So that is uh, how we started, and then we got into doing trade missions. We did a couple of exhibitions, um, and the idea with the exhibitions was to say, Botswana, two point three million in in when we talk bottom line is quite a challenge you know it's a small market and you can't start a business thinking this is where you are going to just focus so we can encourage the entrepreneurs to start yes locally that's well and good but with a mindset of moving into exports the reason being that we think this is the best way to augment the local market and with a lot of the trade agreements that Botswana is signatory to like your your your, your um SADC uh, epa which is a SADC and europe partnership agreement and then we've got uh, african growth opportunities act which is uh, south sub-saharan africa and the the us and of course now which is really important for us is the afc fta which is a landmark fta to say okay fine we might not be able to be to build multinational corporations from targeting a market of 2.3 million, but if we are to start to penetrate into the global market, we will be able to see our people, and this is our focus, own businesses that will stand the test of time. We want our be- our people to not own SMEs that die with them and that's usually the case, you know. The SMEs are operating at just a subsistence level. It's never really at a point where the brand is big enough to become a worldwide brand and even if the should the, the entrepreneur leave this earth, the, the business shouldn't live with them. It should outlive them. So that's this, the overall thinking. To work on the um, business acumen, and uh, to avoid that premature failure that comes as a result of the many challenges that are not unique to Botswana, but also push into the market access. And then through our process of training, mentorship, and market access, de-risk this un- these businesses for finance and investment, this is an area that we haven't really started getting as much traction as we 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 would like you know it's still something that is still at its infancy but this is where we are going to say okay we're not just training these entrepreneurs in vain we're not just exposing them to market to export markets in 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 vain we also want to be able to lobby finance investment opportunities for them you know so that is how we essentially work Um, and it's free access you know Currently, we are working on a co-working space. It's something that, you know, it has kept me up at night for the past three years because I I, I knew how important it was for us to have a base like this. I, I believe that if we've got our entrepreneurship hub, we'll be able to keep the entrepreneurs engaged more consistently and see that impact uh, at the level that that we want to see, so we've partnered with the University of Botswana, which is the the the, the highest ranking uh, institution of higher level higher learning in Botswana, um, to set up an entrepreneurship hub where youth and women can have free access to. Um, a working space, working stations, high-speed internet, have a place where they can meet investors, meet their clients. You know, so it's kind of a meeting room and workstations and so on and so forth. So, these are some of the 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 the, the interventions that we are doing. And uh, in my opinion, we haven't scratched the, the surface. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface because there's a lot that needs to be done, and and it's quite a mammoth task. But I think we are making slow progress in the right direction. I think
2: slow progress is fantastic. If you ask me,
1: before CG chimes
2: in with um, the controversy and what he's cooking for you, Uh, I just want to say well done and also to point to something that I had discovered um, in my research about Botswana and women, the challenges women women entrepreneurs in, in, in Botswana face as regarding access to finance, as regarding gender discrimination, inferior education and training and social cultural boundaries, even lack of access to information and communication. How has um, Marketplay has been able to go? I, I, I listen closely to all the interventions that you're trying to put in place, uh, even the challenges that you're having, but with all these other issues that seem to be not directly linked to them building a business, like business ethics. But how has market been able to Close these tiny gaps as regards the
1: challenges entrepreneurs uh, face in Botswana. Yeah, I mean, we are still a very young organization, I have to say, and this is why I say I don't believe we've even began to to scratch the surface because um, our our KPIs are quite uh, quite high. Like uh, we want to be able to 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 quantify. Uh, to a large extent, our impact. But um, so far, what we've been trying to do is be intentionally in including women in the things that we do. So if we've got a a, a roundtable discussion, for example, and we are including... uh, And what we typically do, because we're very big on stakeholder engagement, and we've got people from international development agencies, we've got people from uh, policymakers from government, we've got all these... um, captains of industries is we're always intentional about having a certain amount of of, of women. There. Make sure that at least we've, if we, if we can do sixty percent, at least fifty percent. Because what we are trying to do is mirror our numbers. We're almost at 400 entrepreneurs now, um, but you know our last tally number was 350 plus, and of that, 60 percent over 60 percent is women. And for us, it's it's important that every single thing that we do, it reflects the number of women that we have on our on our subscriptions. And so that that's how we try to do. We've got a platform where it's it's great exposure great opportunity for for these women to leverage we make sure that they are in the room and that is one thing that i think is very important just having at least at, at, at the bare minimum have them in the room where decisions are being made where opportunities are being uh, are flowing and that is one of the things that we've been able to do even when we do when we did our trade exhibitions, a lot of the products that we had are are manufactured by women-owned businesses and, you know, women owned and operated businesses. So that is how we try our best to include women. Uh, I still believe there's more that we need to do and especially to do with encouraging them because what we found is if we put out a call for applications and we don't point blank say women are encouraged to apply, we don't see the number that uh, is, is impressive in terms of uh, the number of females applying, you know. So we always have to point blank, say women are encouraged to apply because if we don't, there's a reluctance for them to to, to, to come on board. So I mean, this are so many, these are issues that are layered um, um, that we, we, we try to, in our work Go, get to the bottom of, you know, these are social issues, these are sometimes an element of inferiority complex that comes as a result of a patriarchal culture you know, so it's not always easy but I think women in Botswana, honestly, they are really making the effort, they do show up, they are doing the manufacturing so we can't really say it is it is so bad in, in Botswana, we, no I can't say that, I think we are doing quite well
0: so let me jump let me jump in. Um again for those of you who are listening, welcome to the Beach Room Africa. Tonight we're joined by the founder of Market Players, the celebrated Botswana um, entrepreneur, Catalego Magheti. Um Catalego let's 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 go into um that conversation proper. So and here is the context. Mm you are putting out um, you know a call for action and then you're saying female entrepreneurs are encouraged to apply without that language female entrepreneurs don't apply Botswana happens to be one of the most concentrated market for female entrepreneurs across the african continent Yet, there's structural bias that still impedes the growth of a lot of female entrepreneurs. Would you say at a fundamental level that female entrepreneurs in Botswana and elsewhere are actually taking up the opportunity and are actually leading the charge and are not waiting to be coerced into taking action?
1: Um. I would say um half and half. <laughs> I think um it depends on on what uh the the industry is, you know. Um if you look at um you look at maybe uh leather, I'll just look at the industries that we are were putting as a priority for the AFCFTA you look at leather, you look at um, um, the manufacturing industry where you are trying to do your your your, your agro processing, your, uh, you're trying to do PVC pipes, all those kind of things. I don't think we're seeing women in those kind of industries. Those kind of predominantly male industries, we're not seeing women as much. So if you're going to do an open call and say, um, we we are looking for entrepreneurs in this specific industry. You will not primarily see women unless you encourage them and you are intentional about saying, uh, "Please come on board." But I mean, there there are there are other areas where we see women really being the ones that who are the front runners. And s- still on agro processing, we're seeing that when when it comes to food processing, they, there are a lot of women that are playing in that area, and especially with. Um, Natural and indigenous products, you know, and there's a lot of edge in this. In this. specific industry because a lot of these products are made from uh input materials that you find growing only in Botswana so they are quite competitive across the world but we're seeing that women are are really running with it you know they're doing the, the the products made from your devil's floor made from your moringa made from your murula fruit all those kind of industries women are really pushing uh the envelope there but other areas not necessarily so i think It depends on the industry. And that is why we also try our best to be intentional when we know that this is something that they are likely not to participate in, you know. Last year, we did an event, a marathon, you know. So the idea was to do networking and also a bit of fundraising for our entrepreneurship hub. And because it was running, most women were not really interested in participating in the event because they didn't want to run you know so we we saw that the numbers that we had i think we had more men than than women but we really tried our best to to balance the numbers you know so it, it's not always I can't say it, 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 it's it's a standard answer that women are always being coerced it depends on which one it is and we also feel as, as as an organization that is trying to be solutions oriented we need to meet our entrepreneurs at that point of need or at a point where of lack like, if they are, they are, they, are, they are not motivated we need to motivate and encourage them and say hey this actually could work for you please come so
0: so let's let's go let's go a little bit down into that conversation so um, for, a very long, for a very long time, um, female entrepreneurs who, by the way, I think are probably all hands down the most brilliant entrepreneurs across the continent have consistently been left out in, in decision makings and things like that. And structurally have been removed from participation in certain industry within certain countries in Botswana. This happens to be one of the high, the high-end industries, from mining, from diamonds to leather, to a whole lot of things. But now, tech and innovation is rapidly, rapidly scaling in the country. Um, with the the brilliant move of the of the Botswana government to launch entrepreneurship, the Minister of Entrepreneurship, there still is a significant, uh, is a very significant underlying of female. Um, disenfranchisement even in all of the policies that I've been looking at in empowering more female entrepreneurs into um, economic development of the country what are you doing as a female entrepreneur a a leader um, working with a top university that is structured in such a way that you're not being biased against male entrepreneurs because remember the basis of this question is entrepreneurship in itself in in Botswana is fundamentally a new concept right Mm. so you're not biased against the men entrepreneurs who are willing to take this bold step but at the same time female entrepreneurs are not being left behind
1: yeah I mean at the end of the day you know an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur. We we can't always uh, measure the excellence and potential of an entrepreneur based solely based on the agenda. You know, at, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we push the entrepreneurs that have the neck for it and they've got the appetite for it, right? So, which is why our 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 focus is youth, and with youth, it's both genders right and then women and the reason why these demographics are so is uh, as i mentioned earlier we want to harness the demographic d- dividend two-thirds of our population are youth and in that youth it's men right so we want to make sure that when we say we've got this threshold for youth we are including male entrepreneurs in there as well but similarly we, we want, because we know we're coming from a patriarchal background, we want to be intentional about encouraging women to participate because we realize that sometimes it's not because they don't have the prowess for it or they don't have the neck for it, it's just that they don't believe that they do because of those systemic um, issues, right? And that is why we do our best to really, really point blank say, uh women come on board and when we talk about women with women we don't kept the age at 35. So even if a woman is like over the youth age and as a primarily youth organization on programs that are for women we include women even beyond the youth age. The reason being that we believe that uh, with the large number of, of, of population of being women and youth we should be able to Harness the demographic dividend, right? And for us to get value out of the number of women we have and the w- number of youth we have, we need to enable them. And we can't uh, decide to 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 make life that is already difficult for them even more difficult by 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 um, by, by by those um, how best can I say? Yeah. But by those barriers to entry. So that is why we try to say all the. Opportunities that we have, we open them to youth and women without uh, leaving out um, uh, 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 the male counterparts at the same time. Because, as I said, um, with with youth, we've been lagging behind together, despite the 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 the, the gender parity. I think. If I look at myself as a young woman and a young man my age, were struggling the same way in accessing opportunities. So that is why we're like, okay, we need to include at the same level, but also look at women as a separate demographic that we need to tailor make uh, uh, solutions to include them.
0: All right, um, cool. So let's 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 go let's go back into um, a little bit. Um, a little bit more about the work around entrepreneurship and the work that you do right so I, I first came in contact with the amazing work that you're doing at the time i was you know training and building entrepreneurs um while i was at seed says and was fundamentally blown away by some of the things that you've set out to do but even mm-hmm. so you have not done this without the many challenges so Mm -hmm. people like you are entrepreneurs like you are one of the most optimistic and positive but ultimately resilient people in the continent that i know but at a structural level it seems like you're still lacking the support system irrespective of how democratic you want to sound now or how (laughs) diplomatic you want to sound from a structural level entrepreneurs like you with the level of resilience that you have with the level of exposure that you have still fundamentally find it intensely um, challenging to break into this space of ecosystem development
1: Hmm.
0: what is the scenario for individuals female entrepreneurs who unlike you don't have the exposure Unlike you, are not equally as resilient in building the ecosystem in Botswana.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 tough, CD. You know, it's um, it's not very easy to traverse the 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 marketplace, um, and trying to be competitive and trying to be sustainable. Um, so you know, which is one of the reasons why I, I, I believe that we need to find other ways of fundraising because if you look at uh, Botswana, we don't have VC funds. I think we probably, if if at all there's, there's probably one that I can, angel investors that I know, Association of Angel Investors one that I can think of in Botswana. So it means the the source of funding is development finance and the thing about development finance is it also has a focal area so usually the government will say okay we need to focus on the agricultural sector we need to focus on um um building value chains around um say maybe leather say maybe the mining industry it's not really the, the innovative industries that we're trying to 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 get into so that is one of the biggest challenges that we have especially for tech startups you know and um that as you can imagine affects women the same way because we, we already don't have a lot of number uh, a huge number of women in in the tech industry um and it's already such a challenge to get funding all in all so what we're trying to do uh cd is to say okay How do we get to a point where we churn out impact entrepreneurs that can come back into the same ecosystem and be the billionaires that are uh, responding to capital calls for VC funds, right? And that is what we're trying to incalculate because, okay, we've struggled so much. For me, it has been seven years of, of the struggle, you know. And what can we learn out of our struggle? Do we divest mo- move to the uk or move to the u.s and leave uh botswana there because we are not getting what we want out of it or do we find ways to improve the situation so that we remove ourselves out of this um, vicious cycle of lack of funding lack of market lack of this and lack of that so i believe in being solution oriented because i think wallowing in self-pity is not helping us right and that is why we really do our best to encourage our entrepreneurs to look at it from that angle of saying we need to put our best foot forward so that we don't have the next generation struggle the way we are struggling so it's very difficult because for as long as government is the only source of funding we are never really going to get enough people funded enough people enabled, enough people uh equipped to be able to sustain themselves in this market. And which is why we said, as market players, what can we do about this? Because I can sit here C D, and cry about how difficult it is. And it is difficult. It's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of losses, a lot of harrowing pains that I personally had to go through, you know. And um, when I looked back, I was like, but then what? Because I can either then disband leave this whole thing, go look for a job, and then we've not really solved the problem. Or I can decide to just leave Botswana altogether, go live in another continent, move on with my life, but I'm not really solving any problem. And our outlook is to say we need to remove our country, Botswana, from the situation that it is the rat that it finds itself in and break that glass ceiling. But not only that, you know, Botswana, because of her macroeconomic stability for the most part, is at poor position to be a great benchmark for africa i think some of these things are easier for us to get right because of the other the many factors that we've discussed prior and if we can get it right we could be any a a source of encouragement and hope for the rest of africa to be able to 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 get to a point of excellence to get to a point where we are out of the, the, the high debt to GDP ratios that we are seeing across uh the, the continent, get our people to out of the, the unemployment. You know, our unemployment rate in Africa alone is around 40%, you know. So it, it's quite bad what the situation is. And that's why you see a lot of Africans in the diaspora because they are frustrated with what's happening here. But who can solve this problem if it's not us? you know so it, it, it it's it's a layered issue it's a challenging issue but i've seen in the 7 years that i've been around that crying and wallowing and pointing fingers that doesn't help us
0: but it's it's, it's easier to do
1: it's very easy to do
0: and everybody should do it
1: <laughs> true that is what i believe you know and and um i, I have to say w- the model that market players works with, it's, it's a strength-based approach. And when you listen to me, maybe you might say, I'm, I'm being diplomatic. You know why uh, I'm speaking the way I'm speaking? is because I took a step back from my own frustrations and pains and all of that. I took a step back and asked myself, okay, but what is there that we can use to advance ourselves? And once I got out of that scarcity mindset of what is not there, what we are doing wrong, what all of that, I started to see, to come up with a model that I think is working and will work not only for Botswana, but for Africa. Because what we've been able to do, CD, is to say, okay, what is there that we can leverage that is, for the most part, unutilized? You know, if I tell you about the space that we got at the University of Botswana, it was just sitting there the university has a lot of build uh, buildings and facilities there that are not using all of them you know and we went there and we said we we are asking for space and they say we like your idea we like the idea of of uh, producing um a, a youth generation that is not looking for jobs but are also trying to create employment and we're able to dovetail our efforts with the with academia in that regard when we are doing trade missions we don't go to to the government and say we want to and exhibit give us money to go do that no we know how tight things are especially after covid you know we find that most of the the, the government entities don't even have that kind of budget readily available that they can approve and you know government has its own bureaucracy and its own systems that it becomes very difficult to get uh, the, the ball moving so what we've always done is we've gone and say how can we collaborate in getting this thing done right and we would focus on the, on that on getting the goods across the border exhibiting them in another country giving our, our entrepreneurs exposure are giving them access to a different market you know and a different mindset and I think that is what has made us been able to make impact is because we stopped and said we need to get out of the scarcity mindset as an organization and also get our own beneficiaries out of that scarcity mindset because every entrepreneur you talk to they will tell you what is wrong and what is not there because they are frustrated but you can't invalidate their frustrations you want to listen to them and say okay but maybe let's do it this way maybe let's pivot this way maybe let's look at the, it this way and that way we move forward and i think that is what we need to do especially when we've got a, a, a and i, I, I always want to take our conversation back to the AFC, FTA, C, CD because i think this is in my opinion the greatest gift. Uh, Our forefathers have left us, you know, since we managed to get political independence for most of Africa, we've never been able to get economic uh, independence. And right now, that is where our efforts should be going. And the AFCFTA, which is the African uh, Continental Free Trade Area, is an opportunity for us to actually attain economic freedom. So we can't be wallowing and complaining about what is wrong with our continent. And we need to find ways to make this uh, trade agreement work for us. For us to do that, we need to, put, to to roll up our sleeves. We need to all ask ourselves, OK, but what can I do? Where can I leverage? You know, and that is the only way we can get ourselves out of this trap. But as for us sitting here and saying, and then the government didn't do this, and then the, the, the private sector refused to fund me, and then that one is an easy thing for us to do. But uh, I don't think it's going to help us much.
0: But you know, honestly, it's easier to complain, and and I'll give you I'll give you context. It's easier to complain, and I feel like everybody should complain, and I feel like everybody should cry, and every African should go on the streets in Africa, and then you know, sit in, in, in ash and and be crying. And I'll give you context. It is very it's a very unpopular thing to say, but I think we're at the- points now in, in, in our journey to economic um, um, freedom wherein people in position of power have to understand that it is no more okay to use policies to um, cater um, away with some of the, the, the fundamental and the basics of of survival that we need for entrepreneurship to work within Africa, for entrepreneurship and innovation to actually accelerate within Africa, entrepreneurs like yourself have to be provided the mandate backed by the policies and the instruments to make it work. It is no more okay for us to be in silence and be in corners and be in conversation and grumble and talk about these things. It is no more okay for you to tell a young entrepreneur who, by the way, have never received any single cent from. The government of Nigeria to just keep hustling, and it will be better. And tomorrow there will be light at the end of the tunnel. When, in fact, you can, you have the option of taking the light and put it in the tunnel rather than wait, uh, put it at the end of the tunnel. Right? Meaning that the entire darkness you want them to go through, hitting their heads and suffering in ways they should not suffer, because at the end of the tunnel you've put a light there. Why don't you put the light in the tunnel and let people um, have? The, the, the fun life, right? This is the context I'm giving. The context I'm giving is I'm privileged to have seen many different ecosystems work, and I've seen that it should be easier than we're having it now. Botswana happens to have one of the the, the most educated uh, um, population in, in the whole of the continent. Entrepreneurship is still a fundamentally new context. Botswana happens to be one of the most developed per GDP per, um, per capita in the in the. In, 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 in the continent, yet their okay. unemployment rate sits at 18%. 18% of 2.1 million, 2.2 million people, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot. Exactly. So, at a fundamental mm-hmm. level, it is no more okay. And it is no more okay for everybody else because you have to understand not everybody will be an entrepreneur, not everybody mm-hmm. should be an entrepreneur. Right? Exactly. Entrepreneurship is hard enough. Not everybody has the resilience, the backbone to be able to work on market players for seven years when they could be seated in a in in, in an office doing nine to five. But you as an entrepreneur at market players, you've been doing this for seven years. You still mm. get to, to 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 wake up at four AM every morning and go to bed at twelve A. M. Right?
2: Mm. Mm.
0: My point is Mm. it is no more okay to be comfortable.
1: Mm. And I agree. I agree. And this is why at the top of our agenda is engaging government. Because, you know, when we talk about um, strength-based approach, it means that, first of all, we need to look at all the stakeholders. And stakeholder engagement is a key part of how market players work you know and amongst those stakeholders look at what we can get out of those stakeholders quickly to get the ball moving the truth is the you know uh, cd the will turns very slowly and especially when we're talking about things that involve mindset change, a systemic issue that a systemic uh, thing that has been happening for probably 50, 60 years, it's very difficult for the wheel to turn slow, to to turn as quickly as we want, right? But we want to get this movement going. So what we've been able to do is to say, okay, government is a stakeholder, academia is a stakeholder, um, international development uh, agencies, the uh, private. Corporations and households, you know, all of these people look at them and say, but what is the role of government in getting this happening? How what what how, how can we push uh, academia and so on and so forth, right? So it's not an issue of we're sitting here and saying um they must sit back and not do their part. Actually, we are very hard on the stakeholders, very, very hard. And we've been pushing for the inclusion of private sector in policy uh, re- and regulatory frameworks. The reason that is is because a key part of entrepreneurship development CD is um, its policy, reform and policy implementation so it's one thing to have policies on paper it's another thing for them to be well implemented and for them to make an impact right and which is why we said we want to be included in the policy uh, frameworks so that we are advising and informing what is actually being put out for us to be able to even run these businesses, right, for us to be able to operate. And we also want to be part of that process of implementation, making sure that we're getting things done on the ground. Because what we realize is if there's that fragmentation where the government is coming up with just a random policy there without really um, including, for the most part, the private sector in those frameworks, we, we, we get a problem because sometimes it's a mismatch. In, in, in solution or in, in efforts, right? So this is something that is very important. And that is why we are also intentional in pushing these stakeholders to do their part. So we do push them and it's a priority area. And that is why when, when I talk to you about the University of Botswana, where we are doing our, our co-working space and our hub really, let me say that, it's a state university. The University of Botswana is a state-owned university. So we've been able to leverage the efforts of uh, us as a CSO and a priv- and private sector, together with the state, to be able to come up with something that can actually impact um, entrepreneurship and innovation. So we are pushing. We're really pushing them. Obviously, the will turn slow, but it's not that it's not a priority area for us to make sure that uh, we are enabling people. We are putting money in 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 our entrepreneurs. But in the same breath, and I say this because I think Botswana's has its own nuances you know unlike other countries Mozona actually has a lot of um, entrepreneurship development initiatives right and a lot of these initiatives are heavily coming from government and the reason why we are saying we need to see more of the private money move into uh, entrepreneurship development is because it is not really the, the, the dovetailing is not happening a lot of the effort is coming from government side and it becomes overwhelming for development finance to meet the demand of traditional smes and tech startups you know if i look at uh, the tech startups right now we are seeing the same mentality that we're trying to come out of of now focusing on um Egov, you know, and, and hackathons. And what's really happening with the way the hackathons are being administered, It be- it's becoming kind of a similar culture of tendering, you know, and we're trying to get our entrepreneurs to not rely on government as a main client, as a main source of funding, as everything, you know. So with us, it's very important to be able to work with all the stakeholders get them to all do their part but differentiate the different roles because if you put too much weight on the one area you you you, you see that there's a problem
0: great fantastic ladies and gentlemen tonight we've been having a conversation with the amazing catalego mcgetti founder of market players all the way from Botswana. it's been such a privilege to have her speak with us for those of you who are joining us for the first time This is the Room Africa. What we do here is we we remove the band-aid around the conversation around entrepreneurship, innovation, tech across the African ecosystem. This is a live podcast, and our podcast is distributed widely across all major podcasting platforms. So if you're catching up with our podcast, thank you. And uh, next time when we are back on a Friday please do so to join us live for those of you who have joined us live it's been such a privilege but before we round up our conversation we would like to open the floor to anyone who have questions that you may want to ask please do so raise your hands we're happy to pull you up on stage for you to ask your question or add to the conversation if you're if you are unable to ask your question or you don't think you want to speak you can just drop us a text having said that ask me run down, Um Esther I'm not sure whether you have comments, questions that you want to run through with um, Catalogo before I go to my final question
2: yeah I do I mean it will be when I was putting out the, the invite, you know, one of the things I talked about, I said, um, for, entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs in Nigeria, particularly in Nigeria, who are looking for secrets on how to ace on their journey, navigate their entrepreneurship journey, they shouldn't miss today's episode of Pitch from Africa. And right buried in all of these conversations, I have peaked um diamonds i have picked gems i have picked a couple of things but beyond the things i've picked i would just want to ask Katlego, um i know there will be no template per se i would like you to give share some secrets like what would you say and if you mention a couple of things that even nigerians face you know trying to put the blame on someone even if city thinks we should do that you know but what would be the secrets that you would tell you would share to your fellow nigerian um sister and brother or fellow african sister or brother in every other part of the continent who is dealing with the same challenges that you're dealing with what would be the key points or what would be the secrets that you would leave with that person i think everyone here on stage today who's an african who's inter- who's an entrepreneur as well will benefit from those secrets you know, I would
1: love you to share. Thank you. All right. Um I think what um entrepreneurs in Botswana managed to do well is the necessary pushback, you know. Um where things were not working for them and working in their in in their favor. Because at the end of the day we want to protect the interests of uh, the entrepreneurs in the ecosystem and by doing so, obviously moving into the economic uh, impact that comes with it. Uh, but I think what we've been able to do very well is to say no when we, we we had to say no is to speak up and push back where it was necessary, you know, and also to 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 uh, keep engaging um, with with various stakeholders to to push the envelope. We're not where we want to be. Uh, at all at all at all but i think that's one thing that i would uh, i would advise that let's not keep quiet when it matters we need to speak up when it matters the most but we also need to be constructive um, as, which is the most difficult thing when you, for most of us who are on the ground dealing with bread and butter issues you've got bills piling up you don't know how you're going to make rent you don't know how you're going to pay school fees you don't know how you're going to keep the lights on you are, you have to retrench, you have to. it's not very easy to be constructive in your engagements because it's very frustrating trust me, I know all about that I've been on the ground I know how difficult it is but at the end of the day The only way that you can really get sustainable um, impact that we can carry forth and scale uh, such that it's not just impacting a certain demographic is for everyone to be pulling their weight and and working together in that regard. So if what I've seen is, and um, the, the, the way that I managed to be able to start to engage with government is I just attend when they said there is a there is a there is a workshop where they are doing validation of a policy, and it's open to the public. I will just show up at that uh, validation workshop. So I don't wait to be invited to speak. I don't get there and sit back and not say no, you know. And I speak without fear or favor, you know. And it's not an easy thing to do, you know. We put our necks on the block a lot in front of. Uh, 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 Heavyweight, for lack of a better word, um, and the reason we do that is because we know how difficult it is on the ground, and we do believe that we've got ideas and solutions. But our engagement needs to be constructive. To say, okay, we are failing here, 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 here. We are suggesting one, two, three. Include us here, 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 here. If it means I need to volunteer and sit in this uh, in this uh, uh, committee for us to get things done so be it so that we can get things moving and it's not it's, some things have to come with a bit of selflessness and, and and sacrifice you know if you really want to see something happen in your industry and you need to get things mo- don't think that uh the minister of of of, of uh trade or, or the of entrepreneurship or youth in your country is just going to call you and say esther what do you think you need to keep on knocking on their doors showing up at the table pulling a seat or bringing your own chem chain putting it at the table and saying i've got something to contribute please hear me out you know so i think that is where we really need to 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 push ourselves as as young people as uh young entrepreneurs to not think that the solutions are just not gonna come off the bat we're dealing with a very difficult um climate where also you know the fact that you are young in in most of our communities or in our cultures. It's like, you know, the adults are talking, what are you, why are you interrupting when the adults are talking? So those are some of the issues that are are making it difficult for youth to be meaningfully included. And so because we know that these are systemic issues, cultural issues, you know, it's so layered. We can't Expect it to work in the way maybe that it's working in 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 the UK or in China or in the US. I, I you know maybe that that they do dialogues differently there, but here it's it's very difficult. There's a cultural issue. There's an issue of. How are you 19 years old and showing up at a a meeting where there is uh, uh, senior, senior government officials? Why are you commenting in this thing? So you've got to find a way that you need to navigate in in those areas and find a way that your voice can be heard and be consistent in what you are saying. Because I think the problem with with us youth, Esther, is I will speak and speak and speak and speak and then when uh, I get an opportunity to really be in a position of influence and being able to change things i now forget about everything that i was preaching about and all the other people that are struggling the way i'm struggling i start to protect my own interests and i forget uh the the, the greater goal so i think you know there's quite a lot that on our part we are also missing out on and we are slacking on and which is why i will always go back to saying we we we, we need to also roll up our sleeves and be part of the solution
0: we need to roll up our sleeves and be part of the solution. So, catalego here's a problem. Mm-hmm. Give me a solution. How do people in Africa coordinate ourselves into one sound and one voice to uplift the dynamics of entrepreneurship and shift the mindset of innovation from mm. tech to foundational build that allows for the acceleration of growth that is competitive at a global scale in the shortest possible time.
1: Mm. Africa needs doers, C D. Africa needs less talking and more action. Less philosophies and all the emotional uh stuff that we like to do you know i think what we really need to do is 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 uh, even when we speak about issues of pan africanism the reason why sometimes people stop taking Pan-Africanism seriously, is it sounds like a lot of theory and a lot of talk and a lot of philosophy, but we're not really implementing or doing anything about it. For us to be able to really, really see impact and and, and and move the needle on issues of entrepreneurship and innovation, and especially driven by young people who make the bulk of our population, we're going to have to act on it. We can't keep saying yeah, we know we've got most of our youth as, uh, as the biggest population and then it's just something that we keep touting in press conference and panel discussions. We need to be at the end of all of those engagements. Act on it. Get it done okay we agree that we need to do one two. we agree that we know what the problem is we agree that we need to do one two three we need to follow, follow 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 through on those things i think that is where we are really lacking you know we know our problems a lot of us we know our problems we know we, where we are missing it we've talked about it for years and years all, decades and decades you know but we really need to get to a point where we get on the action and which is why throughout this conversation I kept on saying okay let's roll up our sleeves let's do something about it let's get out of the scarcity mindset of what Kato is doing wrong and what CD is doing wrong and focus on okay but what C- what can CD bring to the table that we can use to move forward so I think that is what mostly Africa needs we need to stop talking about stuff, you know. I think this is something that we need to uh, perhaps look at what China did um, for them to become the uh, emerging superpower that it became. China put their they put their heads down, they shut the outside voices. Uh, and, and just put their heads down and focus and say how do we become the next superpower how do we, we become an emerging uh, market that can be taken seriously that can be competitive so I think that was what we need to do we need to qu- keep quiet a little bit and focus on getting things done
0: so a final final question I promise mm mm-hmm. Um I know that it is way it almost midnight or past midnight now, so thank you very much for being here. Um, it is not taken lightly For all of you who are joining our live podcast, Thank you for hanging out with us and hearing and listening to the wisdom being um, spilled by the great Catalego, founder of market players. How do we roll up our sleeves? And get the job done.
1: Um, you know, we we need to make peace with the facts, with the fact that no one is coming to save us. One, um, we need to understand that for us to have VC funds. We are the ones that are need are going to have to set up those funds to be able to invest in startups, to be able to invest even on in entrepreneurs that are doing the the typical traditional business. So, which I think we shouldn't leave out when we're talking about moving forward as Africa, we need to take tech um, tech startups and traditional SMEs uh, together and and make sure that they they streamline each other and assist each other. Because not you know not every innovator is an entrepreneur, but I think you know yeah you get the gist of what i'm trying to say i think we need to understand that no one is coming to really put money in us unless we do that ourselves no one is coming to solve our problems unless we do because at the end of the day we are the ones who truly understand what is wrong in 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 our 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 ecosystems you know 90 of 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 businesses in africa are smes 60 percent informal businesses so the informal sector on its own i do not see some a consultant coming from outside of Africa knowing how to deal with the informal sector. Because the informal sector is very unique to our informal sector is very unique to 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 to, to us. There's a certain way the informal sector is working, but it's it's actually contributing significantly to our economies. And we don't know how best to to actually harness it and and leverage it, you know. So we need to understand number one that we are the ones that need to invest in in, in in this business, train them, help them formalize their business, corporatize them, um, get to a point where they're actually on the on the stock exchanges that even people that are not business uh uh interested in business can buy stocks in businesses that are from africa so i think that that's what we mean when we're saying roll up our sleeves is i might not necessarily be interested in running a business but i can maybe invest in a business in a business right we also need to engage africans in the diaspora we know that there's a lot of remittances that are still coming from africans in the diaspora and i think those remittances if they were redirected to investments in SMEs and startups, there could be more value because just because CD is in the UK doesn't mean he's lost interest in Africa. And that is why you've got the pitch room Africa and you are constantly engaging Africa. So that is why we I believe that our engagement and our action just needs to come down to um response response to what the reality on the ground is right and if we know that this is how our ex- ecosystems are built and this is where we are struggling then we need to just decide make a conscious decision at the end of the day to say we want to be a different africa we want to be an africa that is uh is independent economically we want to be an africa that is able to trade amongst itself you know and just make life easier for our people and especially the 400 million that are living in abject poverty. There is no amount of uh, aid that can come outside of Africa that can remove our people out of abject poverty. What it needs to happen is investments and for investments to really make sense and be sustainable, we need to see our SMEs be having a stake in those businesses, right, being part of the value chain owning the value chain, controlling the value chain. That is how you get sustainability. That's how you get scalability across the the continent. But for as long as we are saying, please give us a a, a bailout, please help us with this donation. No, we can't continue to be beggars. We need to find ways to build our ecosystem such that they sustain themselves with or without aid.
0: We have to sustain ourselves with or without aid that's all for tonight it's been such a wonderful conversation thank you so much Catalogo for being here, you've been such an incredible inspiration we hold you in high esteem and we will hope to have you some other day so for those of you who are here listening if you would like to reach out to Catalogo reach out to me, i will happy to make that um, i will happy to drop you um, that um, relationship, email, introduction. Until next time, you'll be listening to another episode of The Pitch Africa with me, your host, Sidi Sacco, and my co-host is Esther Richards. Have a wonderful night. Hey, 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 hey.